like to welcome everybody to the number one favorite station at ATL, Power 108.9. Keep it locked. Power 108.9. The station for the people. Keep up with Power 108.9 on social media. How can I find you? Instagram. At Power 108.9. And Facebook. At Power 108.9. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's at Power 108.9. Oh. Oh, okay. Power 108.9. A station for the people. If you're a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com. Yo, it's Michael McFadden. My powerful and pristine people, it's your boy E-Money, your favorite engineer. Check it out. If you want to get involved with Power 108.9 as far as partnerships and advertising, if you want to reach our 50,000 plus listeners and viewers per week, please email power1089ads at gmail.com. That's power1089ads at gmail.com. Speak to our marketing director so we can get you set up and ready to go. Let us help you reach your targeted audience and expand your brand. Question, what's the only station where you can get R&B, hip-hop, pop, and talk radio? Time's up. Power 108.9, a station for the people. Um, it's estimated that around 100,000 enslaved people escaped the north via the Underground Railroad mm -hmm. from 1810 to 1850. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 100,000. Harriet Tugman was working. What? That's why she looked like that in all them pictures. My goodness. <laughs> 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 it's 2012 at the London Olympics. <laughs> Gabby Douglas became the first I'm black she was, she was tired. Power 108.9. A station for the people. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Malik McFadden. And did you know that you can listen to Power 108.9 24-7? Just visit the website, power1089.com, or simply say, Alexa, play Power 108.9. Yeah. The opinions and views expressed by this program are those of the program, program host, and guest, and do not necessarily reflect the views of Power 108.9 and its officials. We hope you enjoy. Beautiful people, welcome on this 420, let's get lifted, let's get conscious. Uh, it's your host here, Armand Kadima, along with Ebony Emma Peel. Hey, what's up, what's up? We are getting ready to get intertwined with conscious intercourse, a transcending dialogue on overcoming trials and tribulations and gaining your personal power and spiritual ascension. So we're going to discuss, you know, the, the origins of conscious intercourse. We're going to discuss what is conscious intercourse. What is what is it all about? Right. Because people hear the word intercourse and it it sends a lot of different vibrations, a lot of frenzy out there. So we're going to discuss, <laughs> you know, bring things to reality and uh, just share and grow, you know, and spiritually ascend and get to know one another more comfortably. And uh, it's going to be also a lot of uncomfortable moments as well. But it's all about growing and learning and sharing so we all as a conscious people can elevate and heal our planet indeed indeed so um 
today is 420, as I mentioned earlier. Nothing but a day of constant elevation, yes. lifting, lifting our minds. Um, there's so much going on in the world right now. Um, so many challenges, so many obstacles to overcome, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's relationships, that there's, there's need, there's a requirement for a place to, to discuss those things that are not talked about amongst, the, amongst those that are, you know, keeping things a status quo as, you know, as, as how we've been conditioned or taught on how we should behave how we should, you know, interact with one another, how we should love each other, how we should eat, how we should talk, how we should, how we should raise our children. Everyone has an opinion, but whose opinion really matters, right? So this is what it's all about in this, you know, in this, in this dialogue here. It's about understanding how to tap into that higher self, tap into yourself and finding your journey, your truth within the reality in which you are creating. So Ebony, tell me a little bit about your thoughts. On conscious intercourse, I think it's very uh, important that we have these topics. Um, as a people, we are we are going through and have gone through a lot of trauma. And Indeed. I think it's in, in order to elevate, we have to heal. But a lot of us don't know how to do that. You know, a lot of people look for external sources when it comes to healing. But I believe it's within, you know, I really believe it's within. So this is very, uh, this is very dope. And with that, let's get lifted, right? <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's elevate. Let's raise the vibrations, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I, I think it's, I think it's good that, um, that you're, you're doing this, that we're doing this. And giving people a platform to discuss some of these topics that, you know, not a lot of people are free to do that, you know, so. Yeah, you know, sharing your personal story as a way of, you know, uplifting the masses or ourselves. You know, this is not about me or you, Ebony. This is about all of us. Um, you know, humanity as a whole uh, doesn't matter what race, what sex, what religion, what background. Um, what age? What age exactly? You know, um, especially our children, right? If 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 anybody should be involved in this conversation, it should be them. Absolutely. Because we want to definitely, you know, leverage what we've learned, right? The experiences that we've experienced. That's right. Um, to be able to, you know, lay down a foundation for their success, right? Um, so that's what conscious of the course is all about, right? It's it's about consciously living and creating our reality. Um, you know, we, we all have now learned that, you know, everything that we do in this present moment, right, this eternal pr present moment creates our future and mm -hmm. our reality. And we have, to be, we have to be consciously aware of the decisions that we're making, the things that we're saying, the feelings that we're feeling, um, and take control of that. Mm -hmm. So you are accountable for what you're creating, because a lot of us create unconsciously not knowing what we're doing because we've been programmed to just <laughs> operate like robots mm -hmm. right you've been told how to eat you know you've been told how to think you've been told how to make money you've been told how to <laughs> pretty much do everything that you do in this world but it's time to really take you know take your own ownership of who you are your power 
and you unlearn. Know. Unlearn all that. Mm. You know, get all that out your head. Mm. Unlearn. You unlearn those things. Is that a dictionary? Is that a real word? Hey, unlearn. It's a real word, but I don't know if it's in a dictionary. <laughs> unlearn. Unlearn. I yeah, like that. It's real. It's real. Unlearn. Erase yeah. everything. Erase. Okay. Reprogram. You know, right? <laughs> you get to choose your own programming, <laughs> you right? Choose your own programming. Wow! Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I love that. Um, so you know, a lot of times, is you know, there's we talk about the origin of things. Like, where does things come from? Like, you know, ultimately, this says you have to you have to understand where you're coming from before you know where you're going. Right. Um. So here we are. You know, I know we are here in this day in this moment on this platform and um so we want to talk about the origins of conscious intercourse like what is it where did it come from and why we're doing this right um so for me it's been a a lifelong journey right from the time that i i came into this incarnation came into the world it was all about figuring out how to maneuver you know how to how to live a good happy life because everybody wants to be happy, right? It seems yes. like that's the is that the goal for I most think people. So. I, I believe so. Have most a lot, people, have a lot of money. <laughs> you know, wealthy. You know, well off, comfortable, content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ultimately happiness, right? Happiness. You know, to feel loved, right? Everybody wants to feel loved. That indeed. You know, that's probably the the most important thing, right? We all come into this world as, even as babies, right? seeking for our parents to love us, you know, our mothers, you know, our, our fathers, our family members, our siblings, if we have them, like, that's really, I think the whole foundation of who we are mm -hmm. is to embody love in some type of capacity. So, um, but everybody has different <laughs> love language, right? Know? Everybody has different love language. Allegedly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> everybody has different love language. Not everybody loves the same. True. Not everybody wants to receive love the same. So that's very important. True. Yeah. So everybody should be able to define love. <coughs> for themselves. As they see fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so conscious intercourse again, right? We're gonna keep talk, you know. We're gonna keep replaying that phrase, uh, and get reiterating your mind out the it. Gutter. Conscious intercourse. <laughs> get, first, first and foremost, get your mind out the gutter. When you hear conscious intercourse, don't think sexual. And it can it can be that, but it's so much more than that. It's elevating. It's, it's spiritual. It's yeah. mental. It's physical. It's everything that embodies. Who we are indeed it's an exchange right it's typically exchange. you know even if you look up the word intercourse a lot of us are be, will be surprised that when you look up the word intercourse you don't find anything relating to sex no. at all right it's, it's a simple exchange between multiple people or multiple groups of people exactly um so an exchange can be whatever is happening whether it's energetic whether it's um, surface level exchange, whether it's shaking hands, whether it's, um, you know, reading a book or, or sharing your story with somebody else. It's, that's an exchange. That's what an intercourse is. So we are simply creating a platform, a dialogue to transcend the physical reality by talking about and addressing some of the most important 
facet of who we are that we sometimes take for granted or just ignore, but are ultimately impacted in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. um, this is what it's all about. I'm originally from uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo um, and uh, saw a lot of things growing up, right? Saw a lot of things that um, were troubling, you know, to my spirit and to my soul. Um, Congo. <laughs> wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's very interesting. Exactly, right? Very, very. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, you know, Zaire, right, as it was called at the time. You know, I was born in a place called Zaire. Um, you know, soon thereafter, you know, about 10, 11 years later, or something around that. Don't quote me exactly. <laughs> the name was changed to the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. But it's, you know, it's a place where um, a lot of history of the world has been shaped from, um, especially from, you know, it's mostly recognized as the wealthiest country on the planet from a natural resources perspective. So there's always a lot of foreign powers that are there to, you know, to collect, mm -hmm. <laughs> to collect, you know, precious stones and minerals, jewels, right? To, you know, to provide a lot of the infrastructure that's necessary around the world to sustain, especially this, you know, first class lifestyles that we live, you know, the electricity, the electronics, um, the jewelry, the gold, the rubber, the copper, all the things that are used to um, to create a first class lifestyle. While simultaneously, the people that are the inhabitants of that land are third class citizens or, you know, third world country inhabitants so it's kind of interesting paradox Indeed. Um, that we find in these places and there's a lot of places like that around the world but I can only speak about what I've experienced and what I've seen so so coming from that place that background has been um, has shaped a lot of my perspective as far as who I am at this point in my life and why this dialogue has come forth um, because there's just been a lot of things that are not talked about, um, you know, between how the Congo has evolved to be the, the country that it is today from where it was, you know, a thousand years ago when it was ruled by kings, you know, of melanin descent um, who had access to all wealth and resources and the ability to, to lead in a free life on uninterrupted by foreigners um to where it is now where it's you can't keep foreigners away from the congo right everybody's there everybody want a piece <laughs> <laughs> everyone a piece of the pie, everybody want a piece of pie. <laughs> exactly i mean it's but it's all there for us to share right it's there to share but it's just it's it's, it's a shame that a certain group of people have usurped authority over that land over that those resources um, at any means necessary, whether it's to take life, is to rape, to pillage, right? Mm -hmm. Any means necessary, it's a full on onslaught on ensuring that they're able to get theirs, and that's it. Mm. And the people that are, you know, sitting on top of that mountain full of, you know, treasures, are left with nothing, just left to, you know, to barely suffer, barely, barely make it, and sustain a life.
So seeing a lot of that stuff growing up, you know, a lot of the civil unrest um, that I witnessed as a, you know, as a child, um, seeing a lot of the poverty, um, seeing a lot of the things that just didn't make sense to, to me as a, you know, growing up there. And uh, so I had a lot of questions. I, I began to question everything, right? I was like, why do we go to church on Sunday and see people that don't look like us in the churches. That's the only time we ever see them is in church mm. when, we're, when we're being fed this little communion cracker um, accompanied by this red stuff that they're calling blood. So they're saying, hey, I'm eating somebody's body and then drinking his blood. So I'm like, okay. So here I am a little kid, right? I go to church. It's like, okay, let's eat this man's body and drink his blood. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, word? <laughs> this, this, is, this is what we're doing right now? <laughs> right? right? Right. But these people don't look like us. So I'm just like, this is interesting. No right? disrespect <laughs> to your belief or whatever, but this is a child's mind, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So we're having, so I'm seeing this. I'm like, okay, this is what this is what we do, right? We pretend to, I'm not sure if we're pretending or not. I don't even know if this is body, right? It's been. Flesh of my flesh. Uh, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, this is what it's about. So yeah. you, you see that. You're like, all right. You know, as a child, I'm like, I'm questioning these things. I don't understand. It. They don't make sense to me. Um, you know, and then we, you know, life is as is. You know, I, growing up middle class in the Congo, you know, my family, my father did you know, believe did well for himself. You know, we we lived, a, you know, somewhat of a middle upper class lifestyle. You know, we had, you know, we had a driver. We had um, a gardener. We had a... Uh, you know, cook, someone that made meals for us, Living you know, life. <laughs> we had a compound, right? Wow. <laughs> you know, we had chickens <laughs> and goats and, you know, all kinds of stuff running around. So everything in your life was good. You know, everything seemed, you know, rosy. Mm. Um, and uh, but then suddenly things just began to change. You know, there was uh, a lot of tension around the Congo. I remember being in school. I think I was maybe like maybe eight or nine years old um it was probably like uh just a regular day of school it's probably second grade or you know don't don't quote me exactly <laughs> what grade we're in when we're in nine, nine years old <laughs> but um yeah second and third grade and next oh. thing i knew is there was a lot of you know turmoil right pandemonium outside of the school and that next thing i knew the teacher is jumping out the window like he just <laughs> he just skated out jumped out the window <laughs> and dipped right <laughs> So the alarm bell, the school alarm bell is ringing, like to, you know, to signify that there is danger. Mm. So, so we're, it's just pandemonium. So we're, here we are, teachers dipped right, out the window straight up, right? Not <laughs> worrying about the children at all. He dipped, wow. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and well, there's a mob just, you know, wreaking havoc on the city. So I'm just like, what in the world is going on, right? So everybody, we're just running around, just panicking, right? I'm trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be going, right? How to find my parents. You know, typically we got picked up after school, you know, by the gate of the school. So I'm just, you know, we're just panicking, racing around, you know, and somehow, you know, I ended up, you know, um, connecting with my parents. You know, we went home, this, that, and the other. But it was, at that point in time, it seemed normal, like nothing had happened, right? So it what was, happened? I really don't know, right? It was just the mob was destroying the city because there was a lot of civil unrest um, because, you know, at the time there was, you know, President Mobutu was in power and, you know, he, 
you know he you know he took over power in you know when Congo won its independence um through such a you know such a challenging time um you know where there was just a lot of it was in the 60s right around the same time where there was a lot of you know civil rights movements was occurring here mm-hmm. there was a similar type of movement in the Congo in Africa as a whole actually where a lot of the African countries were gaining their independence from the you know European powers that had colonized them it's also interesting to me that all this was happening around the same time mm-hmm. like most of the countries in Africa got their independence around the 60s mm-hmm. at the same time that you know supposedly African-Americans in the U.S. also somewhat got their independence, right? So it's such an interesting, you no know. coincidence. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. I don't think so. Right? That's something yeah. to think about. We'll, we'll expound on that a little further. Yeah. Right? We got we to process that a little bit. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, South Africa with Nelson Mandela, a lot of stuff yeah. was turning up at the same time. That's interesting. We got to come back to yeah. that. Um, so yeah, there was always, so, you know, 30 years later, here we are, it's the early nineties, um, a lot of turmoil, people are just unhappy, right? They're just, you know, they're, you know, there's a lot of poverty. There's just a lot of unhappiness. There is, you know, there's, there's all these things that are happening, you know, lack, lack of food, you know, lack of, lack of, you know, just the basic necessities, right? Mm -hmm. And also AIDS at the same time is wreaking havoc on Central Africa for whatever reason, right? There's all of a sudden AIDS appears out of the blue. And it's decimating, you know, Central Africa, you know, a um, good bit of my family members, you know, ended up um, victimized by AIDS. Mm. And so there's all this stuff that's going on. So people are just, you know, they're just unhappy, just restless, trying to figure out how do we, how do we, you know, create a, a, a decent life for people? It seems like people have been suffering for so long. Um, so I, I don't know all the specifics as what, to answer your question about what happened. All I know is that happened. We went home. The next day, you know, life went on. Um, the norm. Just, just the norm, you know. It just happen at any time. Exactly, you know. Kind of like, you know, I don't know, maybe Rodney King got beat up. <laughs> oh, no. Right? <laughs> Who knows? It could be anything, right? Yes. So we're going to pay some bills and we'll be back. Yes. Conscious Intercourse on Power 108.9. Yo, it's Michael McFadden for our friends over at Credit Building Professionals. You know what they do? They help their clients achieve better credit. How? Late payments, fraud, liens, charge-offs, student loans, they do it all. Get results in 30 to 90 days, and it's very simple to contact them. Hit them up on their website, creditbuildingprofessionals.com, or give them a call, 678-447-2012. Once again, 678 678- Four four seven two zero one two. Tell them you heard it on Power One Hundred Eight Point Nine. What up, Credit Crit? Yo, it's Michael McFadden of Power 108.9, and I want to ask you a question. Are you looking for a new house? If so, you need to holler at our guy, the mortgage guy, Alvin Jameson. AlvinJameson.com. Yeah, Alvin liked the chipmunk, 
and Jameson like that fine whiskey. Not only can he help you on the purchase of that new home, he can also assist you on that refinance as well. So whether it's FHA, conventional, and of course that VA home loan that you're sitting on right now, yo, call Alvin Jameson, 404-587-9033. Once again, 404-587-9033. Trust the guy we trust here at Power 108.9, Alvin Jameson. AlvinJameson.com or just call them 404-587-9033. And of course, tell them you heard it right here on Power 108.9. Let's go. He made you go to church on New Year's Eve. <laughs> you could turn up. He said he didn't want to go to. He didn't want to go to church. He didn't want to break New Year's uh, Eve. Well, Bitch, I should went to church for one New Year's Eve. Boy, I think I had got me a little cocktail before. Boy, I was in that. <laughs> I was in that boy crying. I was crying. Giving myself to the Lord. Jesus. Take it to the altar. <laughs> Hey Atlanta, this is Sayon, and you're listening to Power 108.9. Peace, peace, peace. Here we are. Yes, <laughs> we are back. Conscious intercourse. So are mine. Before the break, you talked about the Congo and the turmoil in the Congo. Yes. You know, let's talk about your transition. What brought you to the States? Actually, great question. Um, Of course, the turmoil, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So stuff is just about to just take a turn for the worse, right? There's Uh this early 90s. um, Mobutu as you know, our warn is welcome, right? He's, He's, you know... Embezzled, embezzled, or got in bed with a lot of the foreign powers, and has been, you know, <laughs> handing over the keys to the foreigners to take and you sort of take out the kitchen sink, essentially. Mm-hmm. So then there's just turmoil, like I mentioned, you know, the 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 civil unrest. There's um, next door in Rwanda, you know, there's the Rwandan genocide that's brewing, right? All that tension is brewing there. Um, there's just a lot of turmoil that's just happening there. And, and ultimately my family, my father, you know, he, uh, you know, he was involved in, in exporting a lot of the precious stones out of the Congo to America and the rest of the world. And, and a good portion of those things were considered, um, as a kid, I don't remember specifically, but it seems like there was some type of issue with the government or the local police with him actually, exporting those precious stones like these stones that he you know we walk upon under up under our feet that mm-hmm. we find in our driveway in our yard we couldn't really monetize because the foreign powers had monopolized the ability to trade those precious stones so i remember that was his business that's how he provided for us i remember he would travel all the time he was always gone and um so i remember we you know the plan was that we were leaving going to america right? and how old were you on uh, 11 so 11. right before i turned okay. 11 so 11 yeah so we were like about to leave to come to america and for us it was just like wow america america was heaven on earth yeah. like literally it was like you know like we're about to go to where the jetsons be at <laughs> <Jetsons. laughs> <You know what's laughs> <saying? Okay>. right <laughs> where everything is like you know super califragilistic espialidocious <laughs> right <laughs> right we're about to go to this place where there's like yeah like 
everything is plush, right? You can literally eat off the floors, right? This was that's the, that's the image. How you, that's how you imagine. Yeah, America. you know, we had this term called bulaya. It just meant like this, like almost the closest thing to heaven on earth, right? Okay. So we we're about to go to this place, the place that we've seen on TV. You know, we used to watch Eddie Murphy, you know, in Beverly Hills Cop, right? You know, mm-hmm. ever seeing all those nice cars, you know, the you know, the big houses, you know, just you know, food, luscious food, just everything was just. It was just this place that we were really, really excited and looking forward to going. Um, so I remember we, um, there was the day it arrived and we were about to leave. We get on a plane. And uh, so we were essentially, we're about to, we we're going to do like a two week layover in Joburg in South Africa. So we got on a plane. Um, exactly. <laughs> got on a plane and literally the plane started moving and all of a sudden, like, the plane stopped. And like these police officers got on the plane and approached my father and then escorted us off the plane. Like, Mm -hmm. so we like were escorted off the plane after it was ready in motion by the, you know, these, you know, the detectives or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. So they took my father to somewhere where they talked. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we eventually left for Joburg. Um, It wasn't until later in life that I finally realized what that was, what happened then. But um, at the time, it was just like, okay, well, we're delayed for a couple of weeks for whatever reason. So what happened? So we just ended up going home, right? Okay. No, what happened then? Why did they come on the plane? Oh, you actually want me to fast forward and uh, tell you what I know now? Yeah, what you know now? <laughs> why, why they stop a, mo- a plane in motion? You know, good point. So <laughs> so I was told later on by my uncle, my you know, my dad's older brother, that... Um, you know, these police had an eye on my father, right? They knew that he made, you know, substantial amounts of money by exporting those precious stones out of the Congo. Um, so they essentially wanted a piece of the pie. They saw him leaving out. They wanted, mm-hmm. they wanted some money. They wanted to be like, hey, boss man, you're about to get up out of here. You know, break us off something, right? Wow. You, you out here taking your family on this plane, right? Wow. Um, you know, we need a little piece of the pie. So essentially they wanted to, you know, collect some money from him before mm-hmm. he left. So, you know, apparently he was, you know, my father was, you know, he was well known. I remember even just growing up around the city. Um, it was interesting. Um, it's almost like he was, a, him and his brothers were like, I don't know. I don't want call to call them like kingpins, but it was something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because they. <laughs> Gangsters. They, they, ran, they ran the city. I remember one time, supposedly my mother's purse got snatched, right, one night. And I remember. Um, a lot of commotion around the house that evening and apparently goons were sent out and somehow her pocketbook was or purse was recovered and somebody got to beat down right ah, okay. so i'm just like you know as a kid i'm just you know i'm here i'm nine ten years old i'm just seeing all these things there used to be a lot of people coming around the house all the time they will always you know, they refer to my father as patron because we spoke french growing up they'd be like patron 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 you know that really means you know it means boss right mm. that was just a term i you know I remember my sister one time was like, Dad, what did they call you? You know, pantalon. Pantalon mean, meant, means pants in French. But she, she kept hearing the word patron. She thought it meant pantalon. Like they kept calling him like pants. <laughs> but it, that's, that, that was like his name, patron. Yeah. Like, okay. you know, boss. So, um, so, yeah. So apparently they saw him leaving and they wanted to collect some. So apparently he, you know. Went back, you know, paid him off, and then we eventually left a couple of weeks later. Okay, so they let him leave. Exactly. Eventually, okay. yeah, a couple of weeks later. So he had, a, it was, you know, he had to, they, whatever was the issue, he satisfied it, and we were, we were able to leave a couple of weeks later. Okay. Um, so then we spent, like, you know, a couple of weeks in Joburg, and Joburg was phenomenal. Like, you know, as a, as a 10-year-old, you know, you're, 
you land in this place with 11, all the. Is that 11? Well, 10, 10 11. 11 huh? Somewhere yeah. around there. Around ish, uh, you know. Okay. Around that time. You know, memory's a little vague right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it was 1991, and I don't, you know, I'm typically, I don't turn, yeah. So my birthday is in September, so it was that summer. So it was right before I turned 11. So, um, so Joburg was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh-huh. you know, you know, we were stayed in one of the you know top hotels in Joburg. Um, it was clean, skyscrapers everywhere. Because you know, in the Congo, we don't have skyscrapers, right? This was the first time ever seeing like a skyscraper, like a building with over twenty stories, right? It was wow. It was you know, it was immaculate. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 just the hotel itself, the how clean it was. It was it was quite an experience. Yeah. You know, going out to the restaurants, you know, the food, you know, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. So okay. we spent about two weeks in Joburg and then we headed towards La Guardia, as they would say. <laughs> La Guardia. New York, New York. <laughs> Big city of dreams, right? Okay, so that was an interesting adjustment. It was, you know, 20 plus hours on a flight, yeah. um, you know, hitting up NYC, um, you know, and, and then actually disappointing. I was like... NYC was dirty. <laughs> it was filthy. It was like, Ooh, yo. <laughs> Ain't it though? <laughs> Ain't it you know, though? It was like, compared to Joburg, it was like, oh, this is dirty. At least the part of Joburg that I saw, right? It was disappointing. It was, yeah, I'm I like. It was going to be golden, golden yeah, streets. Golden streets, you know? <laughs> like, you know, uh, I guess I, I missed that part in coming to America, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, New York is an interest, interesting place to come to first. Exactly, you right? Know? Yeah, to the states. Yeah, yeah it was so. quite an experience, you know. So yeah, um, New York. But then we ended up, you know, spending about a, you know, just a day in in, this, in NYC. Okay. And then we took a, you know, another flight to Buffalo, New York. So that's oh. we ended up settling in Buffalo, New York. Don't okay. ask me why. Uh, apparently, we had some, you know, some some relatives or some connections there. Yeah. So we ended up settling in Buffalo, New York, and. Uh, and the cold weather was it's cold in buffalo uh, it was devastating oh yeah oh man <laughs> the snow what's was going great on in buffalo? what's in buffalo there's not a whole lot in buffalo uh a losing football team yeah. <laughs> right this yeah. is early 90s you know it's it's just cold and it's a lot of cold yeah. a lot of snow my right? grandfather was in the, the um the army, so he was stationed in Buffalo. Oh, really? I remember that. Yeah, they manufacture snow up there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. I do remember that. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So, um, so that was interesting. Yes, it was. So you know, we settled down in the suburbs of Buffalo. You know. Okay. Um, you know, life is you know life is looking promising. You know, things are. We're in America. You know, we're. You know more white people than i've ever seen ever before in my life but it was it was interesting it was like you know we like white people because we were not used to seeing them they they feed <laughs> us like blood you know they feed us blood in, in people's bodies you know so we, we like them right? <laughs> at, wow. least we, at least we won't go hungry <laughs> at least we won't starve we always wow. have somebody's body somebody's blood to drink right <laughs> really I'm just saying, that's what I knew <laughs> about white people yeah. they fed you blood I mean yeah <laughs> but they were nice they were nice in buffalo yeah, they were nice you know yeah. they'll say hey you little african kid come here let me so rub you, you let me rub your head real quick so you started public school <laughs> in buffalo new york yeah you know started okay. public school uh first day of school you know walking to school and it's like hey here's armand he's from africa they're like african booty scratcher <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so they said, yeah, okay. So that's how they're everywhere. Yeah, I heard you know that. What I'm saying? I heard like, African booty scratcher. Yeah, you know. You didn't have to be African. You just had to be black. Just well, black, black. Like just, just somebody <laughs> scratches their booty. Wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. You know, started school. You know, I spent you no. Know, all of my days on hooked on phonics, you know, just learning, Learn the learning language, you know, right. transitioning. Um, you know, everything seems, you know, just perfect. Like, you know, we're about to, you know, this is this is just life. You know, we're in America. We're learning, you know, the food, the culture. I remember it was <clears throat> scary one day um, when we started school. First day of school, my mother's like, um, you know, I know we don't know English that well, but I'm going to teach you a word today that you, you know, make sure you hold on to this word very tightly. I'm like, okay. She's like, the word is help. I'm like, so if she, she's like, when you're at the bus stop, if somebody comes and tries to like grab you and steal you and, you know, Yell, help. and kidnap you, say, help, help, help. I'm like, really? Like somebody's <laughs> going to try to do that to me at the bus stop? I'm like, okay. so I'm sitting here like, Look, this is America. Like, why would someone want to hurt you? Steal me. Yeah. Like this is something that's never happened before. Like, what would somebody want to kidnap me you didn't at a bus stop? Like that in Africa. Nah. Okay. I, we just run around all day, like you know, scratching our booties. You know. <laughs> like, no, what do you think? Of, <laughs> you think about none of that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just like that. That was traumatic. Like, yeah. so here I am at the bus stop, looking over my shoulder, trying to see who's trying to like kidnap me, right? Yeah. So you go to school, you know, it's, you know, you try to fit in, you know, you're, I'm different. I'm the oddball, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I don't fit in. I don't speak the language, you know, I'm getting picked on all that good stuff. So, you know, but adjusting, right. Adjusting mm -hmm. to life in America and, you know, what was to come next. Okay. So how did those experiences, and I know there's a lot more, but how did those experiences lead to this conscious intercourse? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, soon thereafter, after, you know, arriving in America, um, you know, things just began to take a turn. Um, you know, a few years later, you know, my father um, suddenly just got sick. And, um, you know. Got sick. Yeah, he got sick. Um, you know, the soon, right before that, right before, you know, that he got really, really sick. Um he was taking me with him around the country because uh, he would attend these um, mineral gem expos where he would sell a lot of the crystals that he you know, exported out of the Congo. Mm -hmm. So he would, you know, take me with him, show me the business. We would go places to these, you know, elaborate, you know, hotels and places around, you know, convention centers. And we would set up the stables and we would showcase all these stones mm. and these people would come by and just like oh my god these stones and they would just buy them you know a bunch of them like spending bread like yeah spending thousands of dollars to buy these stones i'm okay. just like wow these people buy stones yeah. like we throw them yeah. <laughs> right as children yeah. but these people are coming here buying them buying spending stones. bread to buy these things so he was just now, showing what kind me. of stones were these so it was, um, I know the the most popular stone that we had, the most abundant one was malachite, right? Malachite okay. was this green, earthy-looking stone. Uh, it was a crystal. So we had malachite. There was a lot of different, you know, copper-based stones. Um, uh, crystal cola was one of them. There was just a bunch of just, you know, looked like just regular rocks from under the ground. But come to find out, they were just, you know, crystals. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like amethyst, you know, malachite. Um, citrine, um, a lot of different, you know, gemstones and crystals that okay. people were, you know, were, So these were stones actually provide different energies. That's why they're so um, in demand. 
Yeah, at the, yeah. At the time, Different I didn't understand it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But evidently, there's there's a lot of use, you know, use for them, right? Absolutely. From an energetic perspective, mm-hmm. from a healing, cleansing perspective. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. The, and these stones were abundant. Mm-hmm. In, you know where we come from. Um, but yeah, so he was, I was going with him, you know, we, we would go out and he'd be like, Hey, we're on this, we're on a business trip. Just eat however you want. This, we're not worrying about money that we're, we're, we're working, we're making money. So yeah. just, 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 let's live the life. I'm like, bet, bet that run that, but <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. let's, let's get this paper dog. Yeah. Um, so we would, you know, he was taking me and then, um, he got sick just got real sick. Just was, was weak. You know, he was. You know, there's many times where he would, you know, lose consciousness in the middle of the night. We would have to call the ambulance. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was crazy. It was scary. Um, you know, and then it was just, it just kept getting worse. We just, just drastically was just getting worse and worse by the day. And it was just, you know, so hard to watch, you know, to watch your father just, you know, disintegrate mm. bit by bit um, over was, time. And what was his sickness? So... You know, we'll come back to that. But at okay. the time, we really didn't know. They never told us what was going on with Got him. Got it. So I remember we went and saw him in the hospital, maybe in the hospital, maybe about a week or so ago before he transitioned. Okay. And he was just, you know, very frail, just weak. Mm. Um, a week later, you know, um, I get a phone call uh, around maybe 830 at night or so. My mother and older brother. So school had just started. My mother and older brother had just um, left to go to a show in Denver because, you know, they... Now, this is how we survived. You know, his business was how we survived, how we earned an income. So right. uh, with him being sick, my mother and my older brother um, were essentially, be, once school started and I was unable to, you know, to partake in um, going to these shows, um, they left out to go to, you know, to Denver. And so my, myself and my two younger sisters remained at home. So I was 15 and they were 13 at the time. Okay. So I get a phone call from the hospital, and then my dad gets on the phone. He's like, Armand, he's like, don't let anything happen to that shipment that just came in. So it was like a humongous, this is probably the largest shipment of the, these crystals and gemstones we've ever received. Mm. Uh, he's like, don't let nothing happen to these crystals. And, you know, 30 minutes later, I get a call that he had transitioned, mm. that he had passed away. And... um so it's like, damn, like, what just happened just now, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that happens, um, you know, life just changes, you know, it takes, you know, drastic shift. Of course. Um, the breadwinner is no longer there. So I come home from school one day, all that stuff is gone. What he told you to protect? Yeah. The things that he told me to protect is all gone. And apparently my mother said that one of her cousins who was somewhat my dad's like understudy somehow told her that that was all his stuff. Oh no. So, yeah, so all the stuff was gone, and wow. we lost the house. We slumped into immediate poverty, mm. right? We went to just bare nothing. Like, I remember just times we're digging through the couches for loose change to buy food so we could eat lunch at school, wow. right? Um, things just, yeah, took a turn for the worse. So um, next thing you know, we, um, you know, ended up having to relocate from Buffalo to Atlanta, um, because, you know, we couldn't afford to live, you know, couldn't, couldn't live in, you know, Western yeah. New York anymore, the suburbs of Buffalo anymore. And um, my mother needed some support. She had some support in, the, you know, in the, in the suburbs of Atlanta. So we relocated here. So it was you and how many siblings? So um, it was myself. And um, so I have three other siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, myself, I have an older brother and two younger sisters. Okay. Um, my older brother, he got into some, you know, 
after soon after we relocated to Atlanta, um, he got into some little, you know, legal issues. And um, at the time, we were illegal aliens, so he got deported, right? Mm. Um, so that was another story, right? He, you know, that was just, yeah, and a story of his own. <laughs> we'll, we'll come get back into to that. that later. We'll come back to that as well. Okay. But, yeah, so we relocated to Atlanta, came to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta was cool. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of history here, a lot of tradition from an African-American perspective. And um, it was easier to adjust in Buffalo? Yeah, a little, a little easier, a little you know. Easier in a little, little yeah. bit more, you I know. Imagine so. Yeah, a little bit more flavor. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. A little bit more flavor in the, in the A. Yeah. Right in the A. Yeah. So Atlanta was cool. Um, you know, we adjusted and then um, graduated high school and and literally my freshman year, the summer of my freshman year, in, you know, in college, my mother gets sick literally that summer and she passes away. Right. Wow. And it's like. OMG, like what's happening here. And like a couple of nights before she transitioned, um, we get called in to see my sisters, myself and my two younger sisters. We're, you know, I'm 18 at the time and they're 16. We get called into the ER and they're like, your mother won't make it through the night. She has full blown AIDS. Wow. And she's had it for, you know, for a long time. And uh, so we're, so I'm sitting there like, what? Like, but this is a dream. Like this can't even. This is a nightmare. Like this can't even be real. It's like yeah, you know, um, mm. it's completely taken over her body, and she's you know she's not gonna make it. And how old was your mother at the time? Uh, my mother was only thirty four wow. at the time. Yeah, wow, so my young. mother. Yeah, so she had me when she was fifteen. Okay. Or so. Um, she was only thirty four. Yes. Uh, and uh, hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh. Devastating. <laughs> is there a word? Yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. Is there a word? So um, how long after losing your father? Uh three years. Three years after losing your father. Yeah. Yeah. So That's uh tough. Yeah, so that experience, you know, kinda shaped a lot of my my uh curiosity about life and um and what happens after this, right? Because it's like after losing the two closest, I mean, the most influential and closest people to you, you know, your parents, in such a short span of time, in a place where you don't, you know, you really don't have a family, right? You mm -hmm. really don't have a lot of the support. Unfamiliar that most, yeah, territory. Exactly, right? So it began to shape, like, this curious, um, inquisitive, you know, train of thought mm -hmm. that eventually led to conscious intercourse, okay. right? Because when you're, when you deal with so much trauma and adversity, especially at such a young age, um, you gotta learn to cope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You learn to cope. You learn to, um, you learn to assimilate, right. Mm -hmm. To, to uncomfortable circumstances and uncomfortable right. situations. Right. Because you don't have an option. You don't have a choice. Right. Absolutely. So it's having to figure out, okay, how, how am I going to finish college? Right. My sisters were still in high school, so here I am. I'm their older brother, so I'm like, so they're looking at me like, "Bro, what are we gonna do?" And I'm like, "I don't know, right?" So mm -hmm. we have to now figure out how to, how we're gonna, you know, make it through the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. And uh, so through that, those experiences, I, you know, I gained a lot of insights. Right? That was all on you. Yeah, I was the older brother, so a lot was on my shoulders. Because your time. older brother was deported. He was exactly. Okay. Wow. Exactly. At, at 15? 
18? Well, 18, exactly. 18 so this time. is 18, yeah. Okay. So we're navigating through all of that, um, me and my, my sisters and I. And of course, at the time, you know, we're, you know, we're in the, my, my mother raised us in the church. So we're in the mm-hmm. church, you know, we, we're going to church on Sunday and we're, we're praying to God, like, why? Like, why is this happening to us? Like, you know, what? please give us, you know, some type of a, you know, helping hand. Like, you know, why? Just, just the question really, it's like, why? Why is this happening? Right. But, you know, it's at the time, it's like, you know, we did whatever we had to do to, to make it through, to make it, you know, just it became living a day at a time because you could never predict what else was going to happen next. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's heavy. That's heavy for an 18-year-old. 18, taking care of two younger siblings. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was such a difficult time, but, you know, um, but we made it, right? Okay. We made it through. Yeah. Here we are. Here you are today. <laughs> Here we are. Still in the A. Still in the A. I love Thriving. the A. And your siblings are still here as well. Yes, loving the A. Okay. Yeah, this is this is a beautiful place. So your whole outlook on life just change completely, right? Yeah. Completely. It's uh you know, you begin to look at life differently. Certain things you don't take as serious anymore, right? You just you, you learn to brush certain things off. And you just begin to, you know, to slowly but surely know that um, there's more to life than what has been presented. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, so I hear the music coming on. Yeah, so we're going to take a break, break and dance a little bit, you know, pay some bills. Yeah, looking forward to hearing more. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Up with Power 108.9 on social media. How can I find you? Instagram at Power 108.9 and Facebook at Power 108.9. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's at Power 108.9. Oh. oh, okay. Power 108.9, a station for the people. I like to welcome everybody. The number one favorite station at ATL, Power 108.9. Tired of all that baloney they force feed you on social media? Yes. Then get connected to Power 108.9, a station for the people. Keep, keep, keep it locked. Power 108.9, the station for the people. If you're a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com. My powerful and pristine people, it's your boy E-Money, your favorite engineer. Check it out. If you want to get involved with Power 108.9 as far as partnerships and advertising, if you want to reach our 50,000 plus listeners and viewers per week, please email power1089ads 
at gmail.com. That's power1089ads at gmail.com. Speak to our marketing director so we can get you set up and ready to go. Let us help you reach your targeted audience and expand your brand. Question, what's the only station where you can get R&B, hip-hop, pop, and talk radio? Time's up. Power 108.9, a station for the people. I really like the after effect of when, you know, the Denzel, um, uh, Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry moment. Perry. I think that that was not highlighted enough. I think if I wild out, y'all would be the ones on the side like Elam. That I'd be like cool. this. <laughs> <laughs> after that. Elam slap the shit out of him. And then there's them. <laughs> He's going to jail. <laughs> Get yourself some Sue mentors. Get yourself the right mentors. If you have the wrong people in your camp, this is the stuff Sue, that can happen. Sue, Sue the light bulb off his t-shirt. I don't give a damn. Power 108.9. A station for the people. This is Elon B. King, and you're listening to Power 108.9. Hey, hey, we are back with Conscious Intercourse. And wow, wow, Armand, that was heavy. Quite an intercourse, huh? Yeah, quite an intercourse. That's that's heavy. Got you feeling some type of way, huh? Man, man, that just got me thinking, you know, when you talked about love and love language. As a child, as a teenager, especially at 18, you know, you had to probably be very uh, internal at that time. It was really hard to relate to a lot of people. You were suffering. You were going th- going through a lot. Adjusting to America, losing both of your parents at such a young age, and needing that love. So how did you how did you go about seeking that? And what did you do to, you know, help your family make ends meet? Yeah, um, it was, uh, actually, I don't even remember. We just made it through, you right? made it through. So, wow. you know, we, we did have some, you know, some, um, so my sisters and I, we, you know, we had a, uh, you know, a, uh, a group hug where we talked and we were like, you know, I was, yeah, a little powwow <laughs> moment, right? Because I was right. like, I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to drop out of college, you know, and, mm. uh, and uh and come home and we'll you know get an apartment and we'll figure it out mm. but there was like no no you're you know you're you're in college you got a football scholarship you know you don't let that go like this is oh you, you, you got a do. football scholarship <laughs> yeah okay yeah. you know i was on football scholarship i was in college you know it wow. was like you can't drop that you can't let that go um you know we'll figure it out you know we mm. you know we had a, you know we had some family here um so we're we want to try to figure out a way to leverage you know um i think when our uncle was here so we're going to try to leverage you know but then potentially even with him or just figure something out okay um so we you know we powwowed had that moment we kind of came up with a plan that i was going to go back to school because i had to do that okay and that uh you know um i was going to do my best to support them as from from you know from from afar uh, as they were you know getting ready to finish high school Okay. So we, you know, we had a plan and we, you know, decided to execute the plan that we came up with. So Unc pitched in, helped out? Yeah, he pitched okay. in, you know, you know, he, you know, it's, 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 it was a challenge, you know, for him, you know, he's taking on two teenage girls, you know, 16, 17 year olds who just lost both parents, right? Yeah. Um. So that's, uh. yeah, that was a lot and for him. He, and he had children of his own? At the time, um, I think at the time he might have had like a 
toddler, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's taking on two teenagers, like I said, in those you know with that type of a mind, you know, mental state, right? Right. Uh, was definitely a, a, a an obstacle to okay. to transcend. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know, so, you know, in the midst of all of that, it's, you know, sometimes I, I've come to realize when, you know, we come back around full circle that um, some of these, you know, so-called tragedies of life, you know, I call them so-called tragedies um, because they're, they're really not tragedies. They're not, that's not really what they are. Um, I believe they are experiences, experiences. That, that balance life to its perfection. Okay. Right? What I mean by that is, you know, when we think about perfection, we typically think of something like perfect, like a straight line, right? We talk mm-hmm. about like when you back back in the days, I used to get a fresh cut, you know, when I when the you know when I had the you know the crispy, fresh lines, crispy, crispy lines, line. it was like perfect, right? The perfect lining, right? <laughs> you think about perfection, you think about a straight line or something that is you know perfect. Yeah. But life does life is only a straight line when the ups and downs are balanced, when they're neutralized, right? Because you can't have you can't enjoy pleasure without pain, right? That's right. There's, you know, mountains, the well, the valleys. Ain't no mountain high enough, you know. Ain't no ain't valley no, low enough. You know, you know. Keep me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and you so, can't experience, you know, light exactly. without darkness. Without darkness, exactly. You appreciate it. Exactly. So the tragedies, you know, a lot of time we don't we we we're, we reach, you know, points of ecstasy and happiness, you know, mm-hmm. and jubilation. Um, but we give more credence to the tragedies because we feel like they hurt. You know, they, they're traumatic. You know, we assign all these words that make us feel that pain over and over again. Mm. What I'm learning to realize is that these things are just balancing experiences to perfect the life that we live. Mm-hmm. So um, once I've begun to process things in that capacity... I find life so enjoyable okay. in every aspect of it, okay. right? I want to feel the pain to its fullest extent because I want to feel the pleasure to its fullest extent as well. And through that, I'm able to balance life, Okay. right? Um, conscious intercourse. Wow. Deep, deep, deep. Indeed. Well, I know, I know y'all definitely looking forward to more. I am. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely getting higher, getting lifted, and um, some more conscious intercourse. Most definitely. You know, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I love you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy y'all 420, y'all. Conscious intercourse.